Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Dom Shaw and I'm hosting this week's Tripe Supper because Edinburgh's Middlesbrough podcast alongside Anthony Vickers to my right and Phil Talent to my Phil Talentire to my left. Vic, you were there at uh, the Riverside on Tuesday night for the win over Hull City, which was which was comfortable, if nothing else. Routine, I yeah. think. Uh, Hull actually had some quite nice approach play in the first half, I think, but they had no punch whatsoever, uh, and Borough were comfortably on top. Their goal was almost more by accident than design from the corner, uh, and once Borough sort of got their act together again, they looked, they looked miles ahead of, of Hull in every department and then come 66 minutes and the, the traditional change of bringing Clayton on to shore it up Borough invited pressure on themselves and it was a bit of I don't think it ever felt like they were under threat but it was very frustrating having taken the sting out of the game when perhaps it was an opportunity to, to go for the jugular and, and put on a bit of a show and a bit of a flourish and another couple of goals Yeah you mentioned they're being miles ahead of Hull you know, when you consider that 10 months ago, Hull beat Borough 4-2, and Hull at that point was stirring and looked like a team from nowhere, may well stay up, and Borough and Sunderland were gone, weren't they? Um, this time around, you know, I think Borough are four points short of having the accumulated tally of what Hull and Sunderland have both got. Sunderland are in all sorts of trouble. They really are in dire straits. And Hull, you know, Hull, you look and, and the teams around them are getting points. I know Birmingham got thumped, but they're getting points. Burton are picking up. Bolton look uh, look impressive considering how, how, how much they struggled early on. It would be patronising, Phil, to say, you know, you should appreciate the position. You know, you, know, you, you should appreciate where we are because Borough obviously are a lot more, a, a lot more sound and on a stable footing than those two teams. Um, but they're proof, aren't they, of, of if things are going wrong off the pitch, it can go catastrophically wrong on it as well. Yeah, well, that's what those two clubs have got in common, isn't it? The the, the real problems off the pitch, you know, there was the whole ownership issue at Hull where they tried to change the, the name to Hull Tigers and everything that happened there for a couple of years was a mess. We saw Steve Bruce leave, didn't we? Um, you know, they nearly stayed up last season, which would have been a miracle when you think how how poor they were I don't think uh, the fact that they beat Borough 4-2 is any real reflection on the quality of Hull City just on that night they got it right and Borough got it horribly wrong defensively didn't they um, yeah I mean you, you look at you look at for me the big picture is and, and the worrying trend is with clubs like Sunderland like Hull there's, there's four, five, six, seven, eight examples Leeds United clubs that spend significant periods in the top flight don't fix the roof you know, when the sun's shining, they don't set themselves up to be on, you know, uh, sensible financial operations whereby, you know, any season you could go down, so there should, there should be a plan B. Um, you, you know, you look at Sunderland, they, you know, through you know, catastrophic managerial decisions, they signed some terrible players, they signed all those players under Di Canio, didn't they, in one go. They, they, left, they, they were left with a lot of players on big contracts, on long contracts for, for big money. And you see so many examples of how that just drags a club down like an anchor. And um, it's, it's, it's really disappointing when you think how much money's flooding into English football and has done for the last 20 years. That 
you know, financially, there are so many basket cases, and I think, you know, fans probably should be asking the serious questions, but also we're all probably a little bit guilty as well because we all want our club when they're promoted to, to invest in players and to break the transfer, you know, record and, you know, spend, sp- compete with the big boys. But the reality is that there should also be somebody keeping one eye on the bottom line. And um, too, many, too many examples of clubs like Sunderland, like Hull... Of, 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 of you know getting caught out higher up the table, and when they come down, they're in no position whatsoever. Bolton are another one, aren't they? Um, you know they had all that time in the Premier League, Blackburn. Blackburn. They made all that prize money, and, and and just through really rank bad management, through 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 not having a sensible strategy. I think it looks as though, from what I can see at Burnley, they're trying to do it the right way. You know they they're, they're investing behind the scenes in the you know any club that spends four or five years in the Premier League should have a top notch training academy. You know the money that's coming through from the from the TV deal is phenomenal, and and there's absolutely no excuse why the stadium shouldn't be brought up to speed. If that even if that's just you know improving the the facilities underneath the stands, whatever it be, improve the pitch, make the training ground competitive so that you can attract better players further down the line. All that kind of behind the scenes tinkering needs to be done as well as you know and then if you can still stay up there for another five years then that's, a, that's in some respect a bonus because you just can't compete over decades with Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal A lot of clubs have done the infrastructure but the, the bottom line is that if you get relegated it's not only a, a financial toxic shock but it, very often it's a culture shock to the players that you've got as well uh, a lot of clubs bring in uh, you know uh, cultured uh, silky foreign players for the Premier League, who are really not prepared mentally or physically for the attritional grind of, of the Championship. And unless you can make very quick adjustments to your squad, then you're in trouble. And very often you can't make adjustments to your squad because it's hard to unload those players who are on, on big money. Yeah. I think the other thing, you know, you, you talk about the, the losing trend and getting out of that losing trend. You now, Gary Monk talked about a hangover that was maybe more difficult to shake than what he thought. But when you look at Sunderland and Hull, he might be onto something because you talk about the kind of the, the cultured players who've come from abroad and, and won't be perhaps ready for the, for the championship. But if you look at Sunderland and Hull's team, both on paper, while by no means brilliant, should be better than where they are currently in the in the championship team. I think there is now Sunderland's team uh, has got players like John O'Shea, be it, be it at the back end of his career, um, Lee Catamore, and a lot of other players who, who signed for Man United, Paddy McNair and the likes. They've brought in Ashley Fletcher now. Um, Hull, you look at Hull's team. I know the point's different, but Camille Grozicky probably backs up to your point. But he's going to the World Cup in the summer and, and was the best player in the pitcher and Borough lost at the KCON last year. Um, both are evidence, and I think Borough, to a much lesser extent, of how difficult it is to, to get you, out of that you, losing you do, cycle. You have, a, you have a psychological hangover, there's no, no question about that. Uh, there's a long history of the teams that come down. I mean, this year, if Holland Sunderland go down, that would be the first year that two teams relegated from the Premier League have gone through the, the division. But it's not unusual for one of them to go. And you know we've we've mentioned a few names there, but there's loads. I mean, Charlton, Southampton, uh, Leeds. Uh, Norwich and they've all they've all gone out of the division and a lot of them have gone into administration and it can be a, a long hard road back and there's no guarantees I mean Leeds it's what 14 years now since they were relegated uh, they've been into administration several times because 
it, it, making the adjustment to a much smaller revenue turnover, a much smaller budget, much smaller gates, much smaller TV money. It, it's really hard when you've got the, the infrastructure, especially if you have built a brand new uh, 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 academy and you've got a big flash new stadium to support. You know, it, it's, it's a high-risk game football. And as Phil mentioned there, you know, uh, fans are guilty as much as anything of putting pressure on the board to show ambition, i.e. spend a lot of money that they don't have. And although there is a lot of money in football, the vast majority of it is going into the players' pockets. Well, what is it about the Championship, though, Phil, that makes it so unpredictable? Because owners and managers have experience of yeah. this level and, and, and they know what it takes to get out of it or should know what it takes to get out of it, but there just doesn't seem to be a, a secret recipe or, or, a, or a recipe that's kind of well-known to, to, to almost achieve in the league. Yeah, I mean, I've, partly I think it's because a lot of players are much of a muchness. You know, you don't get too many outstanding players and, and someone I'd probably contradict this, but you don't get too many dog-awful players either. You know, they're all of a similar standard. They can all do a job. Probably the big difference between a player for me in the Championship and a player in the Premier League is consistency. That's why you sometimes see a Championship team have a stormer against a Premier League team and knock them out of the cup. But you know that if they played them 20 times out of 20, they'd only win maybe one or two of those 20 <coughs> fixtures. Um, so I think it's all about having a manager with a strategy and a board that supports the manager. So, for example, Burnley's a classic example. To, a, to an extent, Steve Gibson with Aidor Karanka. There was a plan in place... There was a manager who was going to be given a degree of time. It was given a degree of support from the, you know, in terms of financial support, um, and there was an understanding that the, the club was all on a on a, on a, on a one way track. They're all thinking in the same way. They're all heading in the same direction. And I think when you get that, and I think a little bit of luck as well, you, you can get out of this division. You know, we've seen teams come from nowhere to get promotion. You know, look, think of Blackpool when they went up. They came from nowhere. You know, the, the, the speed up on the rail, didn't they? And they got up there. You know, Sheffield United could yet get up this season. They probably won't. Looks like they've dipped off. Bristol City, last season they nearly got relegated. This season they've got a genuine chance of finishing in the top six. And who knows, could even, as the, you know, that example I mentioned about knocking a Premier League team out of a cup. Um, there's a number of factors you have to get. I do think the, the gap between the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the Championship isn't as big as people make out. I think a lot of the time it's, a, it's, um, it's about the, the players that surround that core of a squad. You've got one or two great players that turns an average group of players into a competitive one. I mean, look at Swansea last season. They were one of the most shambolic teams I've ever seen at the Riverside. They looked half-decent going forward. They were a mess at the back. And yet a manager came in and did enough to keep them up. And I think that's... And that's that's probably a similar to seven or eight clubs at that bottom end of that division. At any one season, they could just have a mare and go. And, 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 and it's, I don't know whether it's the culture, the financial culture that's in the game now. As Vic said, you know, you've got players who are coming over, the, just really coming for the money. You know, the, um, uh, you're probably not getting the first pick of players either in the Premier League or the Championship. You know, people say, don't they say, well, why didn't Burr sign him or why don't they go and sign him? Burr are a Championship club. And if, if a player from Egypt or Venezuela or from USA or from Germany is coming to England, he wants to go to the Premier League. So you can have as much ambition as you want, and Steve Gibson's got loads of it. doesn't mean to say you can go and pick, cherry-pick the best players like Borough could when they were pretty much market leaders in 1995. We'll leave Hull and Sunderland to scratch about the bottom of the Championship then. Hopefully that's still the case for Sunderland when Borough win there on, on Saturday. Um, Hull... <coughs> 
like we said to, to start with, it was a much-needed win, a comfortable one in the end. Patrick Bamford, now Ashley Fletcher didn't score for Sunderland on Tuesday night, and Chris Coleman talked about afterwards that he was he's perhaps suffering from a bit of a, a lack of confidence. Now Bamford, if, if, if indeed Bamford was struggling for confidence himself, that would be understandable given the fact that he's hardly scored this season and he's playing out of position. What, what should we take from that finish on Tuesday night, Vic? Does it just have a home the message that he's perhaps wasted out there on the flank? Yeah, I mean, it was noticeable that the, the goal came from a, a little uh, incisive run through the middle. He picked up a loose ball and, and darted through the middle, which is where he's natural. You know that he understands the the territory there. Uh, you know he, he he knew what the defenders were going to do. He knew where the keeper was, and he he did what he did in in twenty fifteen. You know he, he he was channeling the 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 playoff run from that year, and it, it was a, a it was a lovely finish. Uh, the bottom line is he's not a winger. He's not a wide midfielder, uh, and we've had a long succession of of players uh, forced into uh, positions that they're not comfortable with. Like Stuani is obviously the, the, the most obvious example, and then you wonder why they're not producing the goods that you that you know they can do. It's not just Borough; it's endemic throughout football. I mean, I'm sure there are Man United fans asking why Rashford isn't played through the middle, and you know, uh, Danny Welbeck, Sturridge, all, you know, all these players get forced out of position because it's a very competitive sport. The manager will have a first choice that you know he wants to play in a particular position and everyone else may need to jiggle around uh, uh, around them to get the balance. Uh, I think everyone knows that Patrick Bamford's a makeshift in that position. Uh, I think there's a chance he could be replaced by uh, Harrison this year. Possibly they'll buy someone uh, best suited to, for that role next year and that will leave a big question mark over Patrick Bamford If you're looking for a left winger Borough have probably got the best left winger in the Championship and Stuart Down on the books is it almost too obvious a suggestion to move down in the left and play Bamford in the number 10 role? I, I, I just think um, you know, going to the, the point that Vic made I think we're, we're currently in a I can't remember a time when there's been such a, a, an obsession with the the tactical trend of the day, the tactical fashion. I think this is this is going back over the last ten years or so. In answer to your question, yes, that is too obvious. Clearly, that yeah, why wouldn't you play you know Downing? Why I think Downing's been at his best in the wide position this season. But you know, you see nowadays managers following trends. You know, four two three one is the vogue or has been for a lot of managers. You know, do you remember when you know when 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 Chelsea were ripping up the division last season? Suddenly everyone decided it was three at the back. That's how you had to play three four three. Well, Chelsea have got some of the best defense players in the world that can make that work. You know, I sometimes I, I go back to the example not so long back when it suddenly became vogue for every every manager in the division, top few divisions, to play a right-sided midfielder on his left foot and vice versa because the better better coming off onto their best foot off the wrong side. Now, that can't all be right. They can't all be that can't you know if that's right for 1995 or 2003, why is it not right now? I think there's a lot of that. Oh well, it, it's it's vogue, it's trendy. We do that. I don't understand the why you you your priceless assets in a football team are strikers. Every manager will tell you that. Give me a striker I can rely on. That's the first thing I want: a strong defence and a striker I can rely on. You've Borough got, in my view, two of the best Championship strikers, bar none, in Bamford and Asombolonga. Both are being misused, frankly. Now, good luck on Gusted. He took his goals well on Tuesday night. That second was a peach. He proved me wrong because I didn't think he should have been in the team. But you look at his strike rate this season, it hasn't been good enough. 
Um, and yet he's, he's Tony Pulis's go-to guy now Pulis has clearly got the formation he wants to play and he's going to stick to it but that means that two of the best strikers in the championship ain't going to play or they're, or they're going to play as Vic says out of position I don't get it I, I, think, it, I think you're cutting your nose off to spite your face I think a manager's job is to make the best use of the assets he's got we already know he wanted Mitrovic in January which means that even Gusted wouldn't have been playing if he'd got him through the door so there's you, 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 you've walked into a club and you basically say, I don't want them. I don't want, I don't want Braithwaite. Get, get him out. I don't want, well, Patrick can play in midfield. Sombra longer. Sorry, Kitty, you're going to be on the bench. I'm going with Gishet. Now, Pulis has got every right to do that. And who knows, he might get Burr in the top six this season. And I touch wood, he does. But I still think there's an obligation there for a manager to walk through the door. I've got a £15 million striker who's averages one goal every other game. I'm going to play him because he'll score me goals. If, I, if we play 20 games, he's going to get me 10 goals. That's one box tick to move on to the next problem. <coughs> and as you say, Downing's now out of position. He's not looking comfortable in that central role. You've only really got, of the front four, Triori looking particularly comfortable at the moment. It, it, is, isn't the problem that at the start of the season they, they invested a lot of time and money in building players to play 4-3-3 with the width coming from the full-backs? Then blinked and changed their minds. I think he was going to play a four-two-three. I mean, the well, thing was, if, if if they spent the vast majority of the summer preparing that, he didn't move him. He didn't move to that formation until the week before Augsburg, the season, did he? Yeah. yeah. I think there was complete muddle thinking in the summer. I don't know who we will never. We might never know who who was signing the players and who was okaying them. You'd have to think that Monk, as the new manager, would have a fair old say in who came in. I mean. We've mentioned it in this forum many times. The idea of spending six and a half million on. On Fletcher is, you know, frankly baffling. I mean, for all the summer investments, the only two Monk signings who were in the team on, on Tuesday night were the goalkeeper. Yeah, exactly, because they, they were signed to play in a certain way with a, with a different manager. A new manager comes in and changes the formation completely, mm-hmm. and you find three, four, five players out in the cold because they their roles are made redundant. I think the, the two attacking fullbacks, for instance. When you said to change the um, formation completely, Pulis is playing the system that Monk played throughout the season. I know, but the, the attacking fullbacks. Oh, that's different, yeah. yeah but the so formation. The, tactically, everything's changed. So you've got two players there who are effectively being made redundant. Their role as attacking cavalier fullbacks to provide the width no longer exists. I didn't even think, just, and I know we're getting into events, I didn't feel as though when Burrow were making signings, they were filling gaps. It didn't feel like. Right, we've, we need, we've, we've got a gap at the pit, on, in, the, in the pitch here. Play A will slot into slot A. I never felt that all the way through. Apart from, obviously, Sam Belong was clearly signed to be the, the striker. I get that. But after that, where was Braithwaite going to fit in? Where was Fletcher going to fit in? What was Shotton coming as a right-back or a centre-back? Obviously, Randolph's a keeper. That, that sorts itself out. But you know what I mean? It didn't feel as though Borough had a gap in three specific positions... And they're going to go out and buy players to fit in those three specific positions. Because once again, Borough are still unbalanced in the attacking midfield places. So, so Bamford, hopefully he'll kick on now. Hopefully he'll, he'll enjoy a flurry of form that we know he's capable of at this level. But what does the future hold for him if Pulis stays in charge? Well, I, I imagine in the summer the manager will buy first-choice players to make the system work. And someone like Patrick Bamford, who is not a, a Tony Pulis-style wide man, nippy winger, Will be made will effectively become a fringe figure again because they'll they'll find the strikers they want, the wide men they want, and those people who don't fit into the system will be available. And Patrick Bamford could find himself moving on yet again uh, after a, another barren spell at a club, and and 
with a huge question mark over him. And I, feel, I really feel for the bloke because we know he's a good player. He's just never had a chance to, to nail down a place in a team that is you know, built with, with a role in the team that's specific to him. There seems to be a maturity there, though, Phil, because I remember a couple of years ago, three years ago when he was here, he talked about knocking an ITOC ranker's door and asking him to play him as a striker. Well, on Tuesday night, he was interviewed by Rob Lloyd. He was talking about how he realises the job he's got to do. It's it's nice, he said, because he's learning other parts about his game. So is there a realisation that you you often hear footballers say, don't you, I'm not bothered where I play as long as I'm in the team. Do you you think that does that for Manford? Or is that just a case of, you know, I'm not bothered how many I score as long as the team win type of I don't believe that for a second. I think Patrick Bamford's a player who wants to play where he wants to play. I know he, he said the right things on Tuesday night. You'd, you'd, you'd think, wouldn't you, that he was talking the team ethic. And I think he's had his confidence smashed so much that he probably means what he says. But I preferred the Patrick Bamford who walked into Middlesbrough as a loan signing from Chelsea with a good reputation and had the, had the, 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 the cojones to knock on... Karanka's don't say, excuse me, but I'm a striker and I want to play up front. Now, that could have backfired on him and he could have been sent packing, but Karanka's fair play, surprisingly, from what we know about him, said, OK, I'll give you a go, and he was rewarded. Um, now, I, I think Patrick Bamber's lost some of that swagger and it's disappointing because he had the confidence to go out and boss the pitch. He looked a really good player when he was here the last time. He signed in January this year, uh, last year he didn't get a start under Karanka, I don't think. He came off the bench once. He got a couple of starts under Steve Agnew. We found out later that he was bereft of confidence and self-belief, understandably, after that horrendous couple of years out on loan here, there and everywhere. This season, he's been second choice. You know, In the summer, you had to watch Borough go out and spend £15 million on a strike. And then you start thinking, where's the forward planning if Borough is starting to sign? Gisted for six, Bamford's for six. Then they go and spend twice, uh, you know, that, that fee plus more on another striker. You think... You know, you think, poor Patrick Bamford, he's committed his future to Borough, his first long-term deal from leaving Chelsea, and he sees Borough go out and break their club record on a striker. So he's thinking, I've got no future here. So he's had to knuckle down again. I thought that finish was indicative of the class he's got. It was just a, to, for a player who had got no confidence to, to, to loft the keeper like that, to definitely chip it over was brilliant. It just shows to me what a good player there is there. But I think Vic's right, I think he'll go in the sun because I can't see any term in a Tony Pulis team where he fits in just, just a few other subjects to rattle through before we wrap up um, Mo Bessic a couple of uh, couple of appearances so far I wasn't at Cardiff so I didn't see him there Vic but I thought he was good on Tuesday night is it? Is it? It's, obviously it's dangerous to, to get too excited too early about players but on what we've seen so far is it a case of Bessic and in the middle of the park now I, I think that's what will evolve over the, the coming weeks I think he's bright he's got good feet uh, he doesn't hide he demands the ball off people he's always available uh, he, when he came we were, the understanding was he was a, a defensive midfielder and a destroyer but he didn't look like that to me the way he gets up and down the pitch uh, he had a nice little mazy run into the box you know, got, a, got lucky with a little deflection and managed to get the ball uh, come, come out with the ball at his feet that could have been a wonder goal if that had gone in and that would have been some home, home debut uh, yes, I think we have to be wary about uh, going over the top on the basis of a couple of performances, but he looks to me hungry. Uh, he's got a bit of aggression about him, and uh, I'd like to think that he would be one of the mainstays in the team. Probably a long house, and to be honest, who's, who's got good engines and gets forward as well. Uh, I think ideally that's what Tony Pulis would want. 
bit further back, Dale Fry, first mm. league start under Pulis. Now, considering Martin Craney was signed in uh, in January and Craney can play at centre-half, that was a vote of confidence, wasn't it, in Fry to get the nod when, when Gibson was made unavailable? Yeah, I was pleased to say that he did get the nod. And, you know, he did OK, didn't he? It was Because, I mean, the lack of preparation may actually have helped him. didn't have too much time to think about it. just went out there and played football. I know the corner was... a was it was the, the Borough conceding was a little bit sloppy, but you can't necessarily blame Dale for that, or or indeed Ayala. It was uh, Borough just switched off, didn't it? Um, there's a talented defender there, isn't there? You know, a very very high quality defender who who physically has all the attributes, seems very calm, level headed. Um, you know, eventually it's going to come to the crunch. You know, he could be the man to replace Ayala and or, or, or Ben Gibson if Ben Gibson moves on. Um, he's still a little bit young, but it's getting to that point where he, he really could have done with a season somewhere this season at a decent club. I don't know, hypothetically say Blackburn with Mogger in, in League One, playing playing 35, 40 league games, getting those games in his legs. Um, but you know, he is. I can imagine he's a Tony Pulis kind of defender as well. You know, he's big, big unit, isn't he? He's, um, big presence at the back, so. It's pleasing to see he's a talented footballer and he's potentially another in that long line of quality centre-backs that we seem to produce up here. I know he hasn't been playing a lot, but when you look at how Shotton and Ayala and Friend and, and, and Gibson have been performing since Pulis took charge, it, Fry's game is going to benefit, isn't he? Regardless of whether he's playing or not, it's going to benefit from being around that kind of well-drilled defensive unit and working with him day in, day out. Yeah, and I think we have to remember he's still only a young lad. Uh, he made his debut very young. And was quite impressive there, wasn't he, for a couple of matches? Seventeen, wasn't he? I think and then you know he had a, a good solid loan spell where he he learnt a lot. Uh, I, I think he that's the stage he, he's at in his career. He's got to learn as much as he can on the training ground from the people around him. He look at Ben Gibson, who's a couple of years ahead of him, but on the same trajectory through the academy and having gone out on loan. And you can see him getting gains under his belt. You know, Possibly the rest of this season, certainly next season, and let's hope he, he continues to develop. And Jack Harrison, um, again, like you say, you were at Cardiff, you saw him for six or seven minutes there. John O was purring about it. He was, yeah, John was coming over from the bench. It's, it, this, this kind of bit part, and, and that's an understatement, really, of what we've seen so far. Do you think how the rest of the season's going to pan out? Do you think that's how, sorry, the rest of the season's going to pan out? Will it be next season? Or a Man City have made no secret of the fact that there's a, a gentleman's yeah. agreement perhaps in place. Uh, will it be next season? I, I think it will depend on whether he's out of the team now because he's actually lacking much much fitness and much sharpness. You know, we we know that the the MLS season finished in November, so that's quite a quite a long break uh, away from active football. Uh, he, I mean, it was only seven or eight minutes his cameo at Cardiff, but he he looked lively. Uh, you could possibly say the rest of the Borough side that day was so sluggish that he, he stood out on that basis. But again, he, he looked hungry. He made a couple of good runs. He had good feet. He could beat a man. He, 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 you know, Cardiff are you know it's land of the giants. You know what I mean? And he, he was physically matching the, the players he was up against, and he, he didn't look in the slightest bit cowed by them. So I, I think the ingredients are there. Uh, I think we'll maybe see him next time for half an hour, and then we'll probably take it from there. Uh, I haven't seen enough yet to judge, but he looked like a sparky character, and maybe that's what we need. You know, something to to liven the team up a bit. It's all become a bit samey. Uh, I'd like to see more of him. And finally, finally, Phil Lewis Baker mm. is alive. 
blast from the past, wasn't it? In the squad yeah. as the 19th man, which I think probably a little bit of a damning indictment of Marvin Johnson, who's clearly way, way, way on the fringes as things stand. But can can he play a part at all going forward, or or you know will he will he kind of continue as, it's as old, an outsider? It's all journalistic cliche, isn't it? Mystery surrounds. I mean, what is going on there? He has it's barely. I think I looked at the stats here. I forget, it was back in the autumn, wasn't it? The last time he had anything to do with the Borough, Borough team, really. It's four months this week yeah. since he last kicked yeah. the ball. So you're thinking, what is going, why is he still at Borough? Why isn't, why isn't he back at Chelsea and going out on loan somewhere else? We just don't know. Um, I can't see him getting involved this season. I mean, he, he wasn't going to be in the squad on Tuesday night, was he, until the, the emergency withdrawal of Ben Gibson. So, I don't know. I mean, it's done him no good, has it? This, you know, he's at that... that Brief taste of first team football he had in September. Um, you know, since then he'll be just kicking his heels, getting frustrated. He's not even playing for the 23s, I don't think, is he? So well, he's, he's playing Fortnite with Brit Sombolonga and Patrick. Yeah, Bassett, yeah. By all yeah. So, so there you go. It's I don't know. You sometimes again, I'm, I'm going back to the sort of the transfer, the summer, the summer transfer, and you're thinking, I, I didn't think he, but when I'm not saying he wasn't a bur- target a player Burry shouldn't have targeted to start the summer but once they made the signings they made I didn't see the sense of once they signed House and, um, and people like that and Braithwaite I didn't see the point of signing uh, Lewis Baker see I thought on paper Baker made more sense than say Fletcher Burry yeah, needed a ten. certainly more, se- more sense than Fletcher they needed a ten that, could come that in that was a they? position that but they, he did. they didn't really he didn't have didn't he now, that's, that was part of the skill set that Borough didn't have. Yeah. And it's also, it's been the problem position now for several yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, again, again though, but, I talked about Bamford. You know, if you were to move Downing back over to the left, then not only Bamford is a 10, but Baker is a natural 10. But and then, then, then you move in several component parts yeah. around the machine, aren't you? And, and that managers don't like that. Managers yeah. like consistency. They like people to, to play their way into a particular position. And they're loath to move people... Uh, around in an attempt to accommodate them if it's moving three or four people. I don't know. We got the number ten is probably the hardest position on the pitch, mm. arguably in terms of what is what's required. Burr have been trying to find a number ten since Aitor Kranka used four two three one when he first came here, and they still haven't su- succeeded in finding a, a consistent because it's a, such a difficult position. Why why Burr have thought to get a guy in from Holland, a loanee from Chelsea could be their number ten based on what they've seen last season. Well, that's a huge um, leap of faith, frankly, uh, given the, the quality of players that Borough have tried in that position. You could argue only really Ramirez has looked anywhere like convincing. It's such a tough position. It goes back to what we were saying before about the, 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 the trying to get the strikers into the team. It's this, it's this obsession with making 4-2-3 work at the... Ex- sorry, 4-2-3-1 work at the expense of anything else. So... Um, it's a great, it's a great uh, topic to debate, and we'll no doubt visit and revisit it many times. You would, you would, well, you would well think that Patrick Bamford's done enough to keep his place in the team at Sunderland on Saturday, where we'll be uh, live on our blog as ever from about one o'clock at the Stadium of Light, where hopefully Borough can continue their charge towards the playoffs and continue Sunderland's crisis and strife at the bottom of the Championship. Thank you. Smile on the agony. <laughs>